Hey everybody, welcome to the Fathoming Heavy Podcast. My name is Andrew. Today my guest is James Henderson. James plays guitar and sings in a band called Exulances, which is spelled E-X-U-L-A-N-S-I-S. They've got a home base spreading from the Bay Area up into Oregon. And they're kind of a black metal, kind of doom, kind of folk band. There's a lot going on and it is really, really good. Um, their last record was released in 2019. It's called Sequestered Sympathy, and it is stellar. I happened to see Exulences on a strange little bill in an art space in Oakland in November of 2019 and thought, okay, this is a band that I need to dig deeper into. Uh, they're a three-piece with drummer Mark Morgan and violinist Andrea Morgan, and between the compositions themselves and the upfront violin as guitar, they don't really sound like anything I've ever heard. And so we talk about, we talk about exulences, we talk about the record, we talk about their origins. James has another project which is up on Bandcamp under his own name. Uh, it's called Gatefold, uh, and it's primarily acoustic guitar and voice, and it's sort of country, sort of folk, and it's got a lot of pretty dark and painful stuff. It's really beautifully done, uh, just fantastic singing and guitar work. And it's well worth checking out, and I'll link to it in the show notes. We dig into that record a little bit towards the end. Uh, we recorded on April 10th via Zoom. It was a beautiful day in the Bay Area, and James sat outside in his backyard. You can hear birds and almost feel the sun during our conversation, I think. We don't actually get into his musical story for about 30 minutes. Um, we start off by talking about how we've been coping with the pandemic in recent days, and then we get into some really personal stuff on both sides, uh, which I certainly didn't expect, but it um, was actually really good to talk about. Um, then we get into his musical story and his life, and man, he's done a lot of living, and his story is fascinating. Um, I really appreciate that he showed up in the way he did, uh, was as open as he was, and was as willing to talk about all that he talked about. Uh, so check out Exulences. Um, go on to Bandcamp and check out his uh, Gatefold album for sure. They're both fantastic. Um, if you need me, you can email me at fathomingheavy at gmail.com. You can hit me up on the socials, and even though uh, I still don't ever do very much there, I will respond to your messages. Leave a rating wherever you can because it helps with visibility. Thanks for listening, as always. I will see you again soon. Uh, okay, uh, let's do it. How's, uh, have you been holding up during this whole pandemic experience? You know, I, it's, it's really interesting. I was having, I've been having a lot of these conversations, like, you know, just kind of checking in with friends a lot and checking in with family members. And I feel like, you know, it's, I feel like it's like, it's, it's, there are times of change. Like, you know, like when you first start, when we first started and stuff like that, like we were like, oh, it's just going to be two weeks and stuff, like what have you. And then we were like, okay, this is kind of going to be a long haul. So there was a shift again and stuff. And I just feel like we're entering another shift where it's kind of like, it's kind of like, I feel like we've gotten so used to being like, this is the long haul. This is where we are. And now we're starting to this other space 
and watching everyone and how they're dealing with it and how I'm dealing with it and stuff, I, you know, it's still stressful. It's still like, I feel like it's the thing that I was talking, I was texting with a, with a friend of mine and I was just saying like, you know, I feel like the, the collective trauma that everyone is just having right now is just, it's very, it's very real and it's very raw. And I feel that everyone is in that kind of kind of in that space and once again it's just like different personalities deal with it differently so it's just trying to keep mindful i feel like i'm just trying to be mindful of like myself and also just like everyone around me because we've all been going through it but we've also you know everyone's experience is of course different and stuff so it's like you never like there was someone was sharing there's a house like over in um walnut creek someone literally just like painted on their on their car court they were just like you know like what you see of a person as a super small part of this line and then there's like everything else that's going on that says just like you know just be nice to people because you just don't know what's going on and that's true yeah just that's just where we're at yeah i think you're right about um about sort of the collective trauma and i think you know as we continue to move through this it's going to take a long time and it's going to it's going to take a long time for us to reflect and kind of process and make sense of what all of this has has been like for you know us individually and then you know our smaller communities and then larger communities and globally and you know certainly nothing that uh, any of us of our age have had any experience with so yeah definitely it's a it's a, it's it's that thing where like it's like it's like even everything that's like happened within the past year like there were like like i remember like january 6th happened and i was just like i was like oh this is the this is the this is the this generate the, the Z, gen z's version of 911 and like for other generations like you know like oh this is like yeah like uh, there, there are other things that you can draw parallels to but it's just like this is the touchstone but it's then dwarfed behind this general thing this is like this is this is huge that's like yeah so yeah and for us in california also i mean i've been thinking back to to those months where i personally had the hardest time sort of emotionally and it was really like the summer into the early part of the fall and that's yeah. when those fires started also yeah so we had you know we were locked down um and then the fires, the the threat from the, I mean, the very real threat from the fires and and then just the air uh, where it was so thick and so dark. There was that one day, I don't know if you, I'm sure you remember. I, yeah, no. Yeah, we, uh, yeah with yeah. that, just black skies all day and, and the and the bright red sun. Yeah, that was actually, it was, it's actually funny that you mentioned that day because uh, that was the day that uh, <laughs> this other, this other project that I'm in, they were like, they were they i just suddenly got like text messages from like justin from all the guys and they're like we're gonna do we're gonna do we're gonna do band photos today and i was just like okay like cool like right on that's that's fine like but yeah yeah no that was i i hear that like i i used to be i did wildland firefighting for like um for like a couple of years and stuff oh. like that so it's like yeah it's it's definitely that's always something that's like on like the foreground of my mind like during those types of years like well during that time of the year specifically because there there's so much that can be said about like you know the ecology of the area and like so much that we said about like you know how we've treated the land and how like also how capitalism there's a lot that can be going about about all that but yeah that added those stresses 
added on top of like the stresses of the pandemic, which like I remember because I got I was I was go- I was hiking a lot around the hills around here around Martinez around the Carquinez Strait and stuff, and then the smoke hit and like I was just like I was like and it's like back to square one and I'm just in the house like can't go anywhere and like breathing super hard and stuff and then like thinking about all the people who because like I had family members like who thankfully were over on the east coast but I was hearing a lot about their about their symptoms because my cousin and her husband and her entire family like she has they have three kids and they all got coronavirus and they all got and like they still can't uh smell or taste that the adults can't still still can't do that and they've they've been like cleared of like you know super bad symptoms for like months now but they still don't have those senses and it's just thinking trying to think then about like going through those respiratory issues and then having the smoke on top of it and like everyone like in here and stuff like doing all that as well yeah it's it's yeah that was definitely i hear you that was definitely rough (laughs) that was definitely a rough moment (laughs) for sure those were the most apocalyptic experiences i think i've ever felt uh where i mean it it just really felt like all right the end is is here Uh, Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah, for sure, for sure. It was just like, all we need is the quake, and then we're just That's completely it. there. <laughs> I was literally waiting for that to happen. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't 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 have held it wouldn't have held it against twenty twenty at the same time. You know? Right, right. Yeah, let's just put that final nail in right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was yeah. No, I, I, yeah. It's interesting. Like speaking to like at least upon like the individual like stresses of it all, because I got because like those. Cause that was definitely dark, but like, I feel like we're now entering this weird like place of like state of disconnect. Like, like we've been like, I feel like everyone, I don't know. I feel like everyone's in a weird state of disconnect. doesn't matter where you are politically or like socially or anything like that. There's just like this massive disconnect and like on various different uh, issues and levels and stuff. But the main one that like I'm seeing more and more now is just like, like Contra Costa just went into the orange, you know, like we just finally got out of the red and I'm just like, I'm just like, I'm afraid to go downtown. Like I'm afraid, like everyone's like, like it's a mask off everything, just like doing the whole nine yards. And I'm just like, my guys, like, like I'm fully vaccinated. And I'm, I'm like, I don't, it just feels strange. And then I feel like there's a lot of stresses also around like, particularly like on the like the the economic like kind of like what we've done this year like we've literally i remember like a couple weeks ago it was literally the year anniversary of when lockdown hit Mm -hmm. i was like the thing that was really bugging me was like i was like wow this has been a year every time a year goes by there there comes this like well what have i done and like what what are the things that like this kind of like time to like reflect on everything that's happened and like even though like things have happened they just happened in such a different way it's really easy just to like, just to say to yourself that, oh, nothing happened. And like, you're just like, like everything's garbage. And like, like it's a, but like, I don't know. I feel like through these super hard traumatic places that like we're going through, we are seeing so much development, like in people's, in some people, I can't say everyone, obviously just like there's, it's, like, it's literally like a reckoning in many ways, mm-hmm. like on so many levels. And it's interesting to see you know how more people are either engaged or how more like upset they are about certain things or like and like the actual work that people are starting to put in and putting actual like skin and teeth in the game you know even though like things are super rough i do think that like 
there are some good things that are coming out of it. Like I see people who, who I never would have expected to do like kind of either direct action or be more type, like more directly involved in like their own communities and in their own stuff, like actually like step up and start doing things. And like people that like some friends who are like, I was just kind of like, eh, I'm, not, I'm not like, I don't, I don't know where, where, where you stand on some stuff, and then be like, oh, okay, like you're, you're coming around some things, and other people, yeah. So it's like making internal, also like in myself, like as well. I feel like that's the main thing. It's just like, I'm just like, oh, it's really easy to. I think something that's really, that's really intense is that in in this day and age, it's really easy to put on the identity if that makes sense, like to really like claim an identity to be like, oh, I am this, or mm -hmm. I, I like, and like then to see the people who are like actually out, like then to like be like, oh, are we're actually doing something about this? And this isn't just an Instagram post or like what patches you have on your vest and like all sorts of what have you, like, you know? And so I really, yeah, I think that that's very, it's very humbling and it's also very like, it's also very emboldening at the same time, I feel very, I feel very hopeful in many ways. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's totally uh, appropriate because in the midst of all of this stuff that was happening, you know, last summer there was, I mean, the Black Lives Matter protests and, and all of all of that energy in a way that I've certainly never quite seen before. And um, though, you know, the, the protests themselves have kind of, I mean, the, it's it's been a while I think since those have actually been happening in, in a in a physical form um mm. still feel like there's a lot of energy around that and you know i've been feeling that a lot more especially the past couple of weeks as uh, you know the george floyd trial yeah. going on and, and there was something um amazing about having all of that type of energy something kind of overwhelming about it in the context of all the other stuff that was happening but it's like yes absolutely even with the protest part what was amazing to me at least like is just like how much of that was happening in smaller towns and like in other places where like you know like like obviously like you know everyone knows like you know something 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 happens like you know politically or something like that oakland's popping off or like something like there are places that like you know are gonna be like you know epicenters of just like this is where shit like portland like we all know that like, there's a bunch of folks but then like the thing that really got me through the summer because like i don't know i'm I like i'm from a small a smaller town i've always lived in small towns and stuff and so i'm always got this kind of like up the small town punks like type of like mentality and so it's just like it was just great to see just to see that like mobilization and people like actually being like no i'm not gonna like drive to to oakland and go participate in something in an action over there i'm actually gonna stay here where i live mm -hmm. where like i can actually do something right like to me that to me was the that to me was just like the just like the best thing i like i've like there's always that kind of because it always feels weird when people are like oh i'm gonna go someplace else and be mad about this issue it, 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 i don't know like it like it feels like it feels like uh missionaries mm -hmm. you know it like it literally feels like that is like to me in my in my mind and so i'm just like I'm just like no just just stay where you're at like be where you are like own where you're from there's nothing wrong with that like and you've got those those same issues right out, there in your backyard exactly. i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. yeah yeah it was nutty because think we started having protests around here because uh there was literal like white pride fucking flyers were set up in town and like all this whole thing like just like started happening because it's like literally here yeah it's been interesting to watch 
to watch smaller towns deal with the like you know because everyone likes to have you know the head buried in the sand like narrative of like oh well, that doesn't happen here or this place is different and so on and so forth when it's like no literally we have the receipts like we have we have that we have living proof we got confederate flags hanging out in homie's backyard over there like it's nice to see places that i wasn't expecting to start having those reckonings and start having those like oh like the least beginnings of like finding of communities within themselves that's the kind of thing that uh, you know hopefully that energy will will continue those voices will continue to be out there and be heard for sure for sure um you know when you and i checked in a couple weeks ago you mentioned to me that you had been doing a lot of during this time especially doing a lot of harm reduction outreach um, yeah are you comfortable with talking about that yeah yeah no no yeah i'm totally i'm totally comfortable talking about that um yeah, it was interesting. I I had some friends uh, who, well, let me put it this way. There was a person who I used to ride freight trains with and they had started a, they were like, I think it was their partner and them. They were involved heavily though. They started the Inland Empire Harm Reduction Group and it was the first, like I had really heard about it and stuff. And like, you know, we would like only like stay in touch via Instagram at that point. Like we weren't like we were just in different places. Like they were in obviously down in Southern California. At that point, I was still in Oregon, and then like moving back to the Bay. But like they have, were kind of like more in touch with what was going on there. And so I started learning about that stuff. And then of course, there's Punks with Lunch that like started up, and they started doing things. And I went into volunteer it's before lockdown, like. I don't know. I'm a person who like, I, I, I formerly used to use like a lot of drugs and do a bunch of stuff. And like, I was like, you know, I'm very privileged and fortunate to have the situations have that happened for me to get myself to where I am now. But the thing that was really awesome about, about harm reduction work to me, that was always very striking was it was literally just this idea of like meeting people where they're at mm -hmm. and like not, you know, not trying to come at it with this, like, you know, you got to be in the 12 step program. You got to like be, you have to be abstinent or you got to be heading towards that point and stuff. And it's literally just like, no, like, you know, do you just please do it safely. Just like, we just want to make sure that you are going to be okay. Like as far as like, you know, physical health and stuff like that is concerned. And that's like, and that's really huge. Cause yeah, cause I remember there'd be times like when I would get like abscesses and stuff like that, where I would just be like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck to do. I oh, got, and like, I was just like freaking out. Cause like, I was like in the middle of the boonies. Like, I'm just like, man, if I had known this stuff, like when I was like, when I was younger, like I could have like saved a lot of pain, like a lot of physical like ailments and stuff like that. Yeah, no. Uh, so I, I volunteered with them and then yeah, lockdown hit my job got shut down and I started volunteering in Martinez, uh, what had happened because of the lockdown, they took all the unhoused people and put them into one encampment at down at the marina, which was being run by a, at that time, a city council member. And because of the lockdown and shelter in place, that's how it was kind of allowed to be there. And it was, it was kind of okayed as well by the police and stuff and so there was a police presence there like there was one cop that would come in and kind of like do some stuff so it was, it was kind of weird in that way mm. 
but it was never actually ratified by the city and by the town. Like even though every single city council member knew it was happening, went down and saw it and stuff. But like basically it was just providing space for people to be during the pandemic. But while I was volunteering down there, I was like, oh, there is a need for harm reduction services here. And it seems that the people who are running, just running the encampment, they don't have the capacity to do that because they're just like trying to keep day to days, like, you know, making sure that people have like tents, have food, have stuff and like have their general like amenities met, but they didn't, but they weren't necessarily knowing how to deal with that type of work. So yeah, I reached out to, uh, I reached out to the National Harm Reduction Coalition and to HEPAC, which is a group, HEPAC is, is based out of Oakland. They're a nonprofit and they've like, they're kind of like the big, they're the big guns in the game. Like as far as it comes to like West Coast harm reduction and like, yeah, I don't know. I got in, got in touch with them and they're like, oh, you're, you're, you're interested in doing this work? All right, cool. Then they're like, here's all here's all the stuff. What, like, let's hang out. Now let's be on Zoom meetings and do all this stuff. And I was like, oh, sweet. I, okay, I guess like, I guess now this is a thing and now I'm gonna do this. And it's been good. Like, it's been nice to provide these services and to like be able to distribute you know, sterile equipment. So people are, you know, being able to be safe in those ways and to provide like, you know, opiate reversal drugs like Narcan and being able to also provide like, you know, condoms and other uh, things to help prevent the spread of any other diseases. It is like, like we only operate like, you know, one day out of the week. It, after a while, like, I don't know, like people were like, oh yeah, the burnout's going to happen. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure what that necessarily means and stuff. It definitely is triggering at times. There are times where I'm just like, it's hard to like not bring yourself to the space. Yeah. It's hard, to, you know, like just to be complete, completely like objective and just be like, okay, here we are, blah, blah, blah. And like, it's, it's good to like, you know, check yourself on that. But yeah, it's there. It, sometimes it brings up stuff and like, the, yeah, last week was, last week was rough. Last week was rough. It was just, it was just one of those, just one of those weeks. But like, you know, the thing that's crazy is that, so Contra Costa County is split up into Western, Central and Eastern, and there are no harm reduction services or mat service. Well, I'm not sure about the mat services, but there's no harm reduction services in Contra Costa County until we showed up in Central Contra Costa County. You'd either have to go to Antioch over in Eastern or go all the way to Richmond. There's, there was nothing in Martinez, Concord, like Lafayette, like a, like freaking Walnut Creek, like all them places. Like there was, there just was nothing. And like Martinez is the county seat where like everything is supposed to be. Right. Like right. we got the jail, we got the hospital. So we're dealing with a lot of these people who like get brought here either on like, you know, drug charges and they're released and then they might not be able to get home or get to where they need to go. Or like even same thing with hospital, like they get out, they get discharged and it's just like, and then we have folks and no one is addressing this need. And so it's like, it's been very eye-opening in many ways. It's been, yeah, you know, it's been, it's, it's, it's stuff that like, I really feel very passionately about and like, I want to continue doing and want to try and help expand and like make more things happening. But like at the moment, you know, it's, it's like me and my partner. And then like, we have a, a volunteer base of like around like 10 or so people and like we have a few people who are like able to like constantly show up but like that's the main thing is like we don't want to like we don't want to do anything that isn't consistent and that isn't be like we are here and like we are able to be this consistent thing for the community so 
especially with like the world like like opening up in ways and stuff and i'm like thinking about like oh well i gotta record with this band here and i got like people talk people are like low-key trying to like you know make like like i don't know i i think it's a little silly to be I still think it's silly to be planning tours, but that's just me. But like, like I, I don't, I'm not knocking anyone who does like that. Like, I'm like, sweet. I love the poster. I think it's great. Yeah. I will totally go if it happens. Yeah. But like, yeah. Yeah. that, but that's something where I'm like, I need, I, I want to have enough volunteers and enough people that I can, that can be trained up to a point where it's just like, all right, I can leave. And this can be like, okay, without me. It can be consistent and, and have that sense of stability. That sense of, yeah, definitely. And that has also just like people who are coming at it with just like the same kind of like accepting people where they're at mentality. We do these trainings and stuff with people and it's, and it's interesting. Like, you know, like there are times like I'll even catch myself like still working in a mindset of like that it's very stigmatizing. Uh Like, and that's where, once again, like, like it'll come up where I'm just like, oh man. I used to think so horribly about myself back when I was using, like, if I'm thinking this way about this person over there and I'm judging like what they're doing and stuff like I need, I need to like take a, take a minute and like, you know, so it's very, once again, it's, it's very humbling, but it's just like, well, and I mean, you've been there. It sounds like you've had your experiences, you found a way out of them and you figured that out. However you did that. Um, It sounds like, it's from what I, you know, what little I know about you, it sounds like abstinence was kind of the way for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, basically. Yeah. Like, like it was, it was kind of a thing where it was a general just shift for me in a lot of ways. It was just like, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like it's kind of like why I quit like riding trains and like traveling around and like being kind of a scumbag and like doing that type of stuff. The thing that I also attribute a lot to my current state of like, of like living like came from yeah it was, it was it was a very i was very fortunate enough i was working in forestry at the time like in southern oregon and i was working for a company that mainly employed a lot of indigenous folks and a lot of uh native folks from from the surrounding like areas of the siskiyous and like i was lucky enough that one of my like you know you go to work and like you're working all day and stuff like people like notice like kind of like what's going on with you like you're around people doing like 10 hour days like you see each other at 6 30 in the morning and then you get off work at four and like you know yeah and it's like people people recognize like when like what's going on and i had a really awesome uh co-worker invite me to uh to a ceremony to a native american church is what he was what he called it and uh yeah and that was now and for me that was that was that was what it was that that's what it from that experience I like was able to like turn a page in ways because like at that point in my life like I still like I wasn't using hard drugs or like you know I wasn't I wasn't shooting heroin I wasn't smoking meth I wasn't doing like any of that stuff I wasn't doing wasn't doing any of that but it made me like look at myself and my life and the things within it it just made it very like clear to me I was like oh these are the things that aren't servicing me Mm -hmm. like these are the things that like I need to step away from that was on like the winter solstice of like 2015 it was turning into 2016 yeah it was 2015 and within six months i was completely off of alcohol off of smoking cigarettes off of i was out of a really like really bad emotionally abusive relationship and stuff like that and it was just like i don't know it was like a path was opened and i saw it and i was like 
all right, this is what I, this is just what I need to do. I feel very fortunate and I feel very, very grateful to that, to that experience and to the, and to the people who nurtured that and allowed that to happen. Cause like, yeah, like I, I know that I come from a very privileged place. Like these things are not necessarily always available to people and what happens. And also that's what worked for me, you yeah. know, yeah. and it's not, and it's not for everyone. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's, that's my, that's my story with that. Did, did you find that when you made that decision, when you had that experience and you made that decision that the real work started after that? Yeah, definitely. Like, I feel that like for the first year, it was, it was just about like trying to get through day-to-day -day stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I, I'm never usually like tied to like any certain group or any certain thing usually and stuff. That's kind of like always been the way I've been like as a person. And so it's been really easy for me to like uplift myself, like just pull myself out of a spot and be like, all right, cutting all these people off or like ending this chapter and we're moving on to something else now, which can sound a little rough and a little, a little hard and stuff. But yeah, like, I don't know, like for that first year, I spent so much time alone. Mm -hmm. I, spent, I spent a lot of time alone and I actually started uh, Exulensis when not like around the same time I had that experience. And when I started going in that direction, I started that band and a lot of mm. a lot of music ar around that really had to like for the first two releases were really all based around that that kind of journey some of it was some of it was like like definitely personal and some of it was also just like what my outlooks on the world and stuff but like it all it all stemmed from that period of time where i was just like i was just like all right i'm gonna wake up i'm just gonna force myself to be on a schedule and this is i'm gonna eat this I'll eat this every like I will eat this every day until I get sick of it and I'll they'll make something else and then like I will go to work and I will do that and then I will come home and play guitar in my room mm -hmm. and, and go to band practice like three times a week and that's that's gonna be how I exist and like you know and book some shows and like yeah. like locally and that's and that's just like all I did yeah and then I moved back to the bay and like after the summer okay yeah, so like a lot of but a lot of it was just all about just making myself just be with myself and be with my headspace. Yeah. It was definitely like the first, it was definitely like the first step, you know, it did, it wasn't like, and then everything, like, and then yeah. I started working on it all. Right, like, right, right. But it, it definitely was like, it, I don't know, it, it reminds me of like, you know, like, uh, I've never had this experience, but I would hearken it to kind of just like, you know, just trying to learn how to walk again, like, mm -hmm. or like trying to like, like recovering from an injury. Mm -hmm. like, I can't, I can't speak to recovering from an injury. So it's kind of like, you know, recovering from a bad injury and it took me a while. Yeah. And because of that, I was, I was able to end up where I am now and like end up to like, I'm still trying to in some ways recover and in still ways, like, you know, try and like hold myself to the standard of person that I am trying to become. Right. It's like, I don't think I'm ever really, like, I'm, I don't think I'm there. I'm not sure if I'll ever get there, but like, there's always stuff to learn and there's always stuff to unlearn. And it's just trying to like, keep that in mind while also just trying to get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> yeah, no. Yep, it's the lofty stuff and then the day-to-day -day stuff. No, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, this, it's, it's, I, I like to hear about this kind of thing and I, we haven't. I haven't had a, a, an episode of this podcast where we talked much about this, but I myself, you know, I've, I stopped drinking about two and a half years ago and it was definitely um, a, a problem for me and um, figuring out, you know, I had a very different kind of wake up experience 
um, than what you had. But uh, I feel like I was very fortunate that I was able to kind of put the brakes on before things got so far out of hand that I could not fix things. But it was it was similar. I definitely am resonating with your saying with what you're saying about kind of that first year, especially trying to kind of figure out how to be in the world again and the fear, the almost terror of am I going to have friends? How am I going to how what am I going to do with people? You know, and so how, how do I rebuild? And and it was a lot of time by myself and it was a lot of time reflecting and thinking and um, reevaluating and reaching out to people slowly but surely and saying, hey, this is what's up for me. And person after person was like, thank you for sharing that. And let's go hang out. Let's do this other thing. And, you know, and so it was kind of rebuilding that, uh, but in a, in a, in a really kind of open um, and compassionate way. Uh, so I was really grateful for those people that I had around that I just needed to reach out to, but just doing that much was super hard for a long time. It can, you continue, it continues to be a thing. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely resonate with the, with especially the fears, the fears of that, of just yeah. like, it's very hard to put your, like, it's like even just like going to shows or right. like, yeah. or like even just like, yeah, like you say, just hanging out and like, it's very isolating, but that's awesome to hear that you had people who were like, you were able to like, then, then be able to make that type of connection with and just be like, Hey, no, this is where I'm at. And they were able to meet you on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's the thing that like, I feel I'm more, I'm, I feel like I'm finding more people like this, like in this era of my life more mm -hmm. where I'm just like, Oh, sweet. Uh, I'm like, someone, someone who gets it. All right. Cool. Yeah. Man. Like, yeah. Cause like, it's, because they or like who are even willing to have those conversations because like because where i was at in southern oregon like one of the big issues is like that is that like it's really easy in some small towns and in small communities and small spaces to not ever take the time to like look in upon yourself at all i felt that like the thing that was happening for me for that first year was a lot of people being like oh well that's you mm. And so that was where it was, it just made it easier for that, like, detach away and to find those people who then I could turn to and be like, oh, you, you, you actually care about me as a person. You aren't projecting what you got going on onto me. Yeah. Finding those people. I, I, I definitely hear you on that. And I'm also congratulations. Like, also, oh, well, like, like and I'm, I'm glad you're here and like hanging out and doing this stuff. <laughs> thanks. Well, <laughs> likewise, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And I guess I, I feel like it's important for me to also say, as we're talking about this, because, you know, my friends listen to this and, and they know about the struggles that I've had with this. Um, the, the thing that I, I want everyone to know is that in no way, shape or form does kind of this choice that I've made. And over the last, you know, two and a half years ago that I made, does it like negate the awesome yep. times that we had, you know, I, I wouldn't change the vast majority of those times. Um, it was, it was, they were incredible. And I continue to have incredible times with people um, just in different ways, but in no way, shape or form, am I uh, wanting to sever, you know, those memories or do anything to tarnish that, you know, Definitely. Uh, and those relationships that especially the, the deeper ones that continue to this day, mm -hmm. you know, those were built back then and they continue. And uh, that just means that they're based on something real. 
Definitely, definitely. I, I, I hear you on that one. Like, yeah, the, I, have a, I have a friend who like we're still we're still in contact with one another, and he's all the way in like outside of uh, Nashville, Tennessee now and stuff. But it's just like, yeah, you know, like we like you know we we met getting drunk and running from cops and stuff, and, then, and now I'm like we're and like you know, and now we're sober and running from cops. <laughs> I hear you we've done a lot of talking already um about all kinds of things and we haven't talked yet about music um oh, and, sure. <laughs> and, you know you mentioned that that you started this amazing band over the past or you know over the past couple of years and it's sort of after after you had this this shift in your life but that didn't just come from nowhere how did you get into music how did you get into heavy music Ooh, okay yeah so I grew up like over over in Davis and stuff, and like okay. I grew up, my my family. This is this is weird. So my dad, so my dad was Buddhist, and my mom was a uh, Presbyterian, and so I would grow up kind of like in in the church, kind of like you know going to to like you know Sunday school and stuff, and like and like I always grew up like around like doing like like singing and choral stuff, and like from a very young age. I used to, I used to have it. It was I think it was a bit more intense when I was younger. But like I had like this audio, like audio hearing and audio learning, that was really intense. Like I would be, like I remember I was in the side yard uh, of the house, just like digging a hole because that's what kids do. And like I was singing literally like this uh, soprano line from the Magic Flute mm. that my mom had put on like, you know, the day before or something like that. And apparently, like, I don't know, but like my mom just came out and she was like, is that you? And I was just like, and I was just like, I was just a really young kid. And I was just like, uh, yeah, cool. But yeah, like I grew up doing a lot of choirs. I was homeschooled. So like I was able to do, I did, I was in a choir that like went to Renaissance fairs and stuff and was like, like did all that type of stuff like around, like around the, I think it was the one in Sonoma County, like there, that rent fair and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so like I, I go to I would go to that one like as a young kid. I grew up, of course, like doing church choirs and stuff. And then like my entire family, my grandfather started uh, one of the first professional theater companies in the Bay Area after World War II. So I grew up in the theater primarily. Like I did a lot of theater uh, growing up. Like I did like about like eighty productions before graduating high school. So like I did like I did like musical theater, did serious theater, and all that stuff. And uh, man, I remember when I was like about I must have been. I remember when Kurt Cobain died. Mm -hmm. I, I remember being, I was really young, but I remember Kurt Cobain dying. And my cousin, like I'm the youngest of all the cousins, right? My mom's the youngest of five and I'm the youngest of the all the cousins. And so my oldest cousin was going to UC Davis and would babysit us. And I remember coming across, she gave, I'm not sure if she gave it to my sister or if she gave it to me, but we shared a room. So everything was like in the same space anyways. Yeah. And I ended up with uh, Nirvana's Nevermind. Mm -hmm. And I was a kid, like I, 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 yeah, I was, I was born in 87. So like, I don't know, like, like I remember him dying. I don't, I don't even remember when he died, but like, 90, you know, 94, 94. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds about right. And then I remember listening to like Nirvana and stuff. And I was like, Oh, this, I was like, this is the heaviest band. I was like, you know, I was just, I was just a kid. I didn't, didn't know no different. I was like, cool. And then I, I listened to a lot of like the radio and like, I grew up listening to a lot of my dad's like record collection, a lot of my mom's record collection. My dad really got me into a lot of like singer songwriter. He gave me, he gave me my first guitar. Well, it was his guitar, but he let me use his 
his guitar when I was 13. And I started just like sitting, learning how to play like Simon and Garfunkel songs yeah. like, like from his record collection, just to like sit there and mimic the picking stuff. And then like, also I would listen to music all the time at like just growing up in general, because that's just how I learned was audio. Right. I had a stigmatism in my eye. So I actually didn't learn how to read and stuff to like, I was like, I had to go through some like ocular therapy and stuff. So like everything was audio learning. And so I started really listening to like a lot of singer songwriter stuff, like from my dad and a lot of like, you know, of course, like the classic rock Crosby, Stills and Nash, like Jethro Tull and mm -hmm. stuff. My mom was like more like into like, she, like they both, they're both Ber Berkeley kids and stuff like that. So my mom but my mom was more into really into like Motown and like like R&B and like disco and like but then also had a really soft spot for yes and stuff and so like I remember like just being like what the heck is happening to, with yes I don't understand like I was I was just so young and I was like this is crazy and uh so I started with those but then yeah it was that Nirvana tape and then uh, I was fortunate enough because Davis has that record store, Armadillo Records, that like that was like a big founding place for me. That place and uh, they also had the local radio station, KDVS. Both of those really shaped a lot of my musical taste. Like it would be like a lot of listening to the radio. And like, you know, at that time, I was like, you know, I remember like getting super into the cranberries and stuff because my I had a sister who's four years older and stuff, too. So like anything that she was getting into, I was super into. So it was like I was like, Lance Morissette, this is this is the heaviest band. And like, you know, it's just like this is like this is how it's going. Cool. And then uh, like I remember my first sister's first boyfriend gave me a tool album it was it was like lateralis i think i remember not liking it at first i was like what the heck is going on here i don't really get it also with when you're when there's like homeschool kids and stuff like that there is a little bit of like you know we aren't at least for my growing up and for my whole thing like i was not exposed to a lot of things that a lot of other people were ah, uh -huh. and like i it was a lot of like finding it on my own but yeah like if it wasn't for like armadillo records really got me into like into punk and really started like i was like getting into like you know anti-flag and like you know the super pop punk political stuff though like and like rise against and then like crass i found crass and i was like oh this is this is amazing and it, and it super went along with my like super love of the theatrics uh -huh. and i think and that's what then also led me to find more like heavier music. I remember, I remember a friend of mine giving, giving me an As I Lay Dying CD and I ended up listening to that and I was like, this, this is the heavy band. <laughs> and then, and then like, you know, I didn't really, but like I, it was all like, you know, mainstream stuff, like primarily like System of Down, Rage Against the Machine, like all the new metal-y stuff. Like that was like, you know, that, that went through my eardrums and stuff. I don't know when I was like, 12 or 13 i started smoking weed and i really and that's when i found black sabbath and i was, ah. just, and I was just like this is you finally like, found it that was it <laughs> I was, and i was like there we go and so it was the first time i had ever smoked weed my friend was driving his car and like i was just so i was just like oh my goodness and like the, the sabbath was bumping and it was like a mix so he was like going between like sabbath and cream and then like and then tenacious d randomly because i was because you know that's what stoners do and so like sure. 
and I just remember it just being like, oh man, this is, this is, this is heavy. It's weird though. Cause like I, I was able to go to these places, but growing up, I always felt that like the punks and the metalheads were kind of just jocks mm-hmm. growing up in Davis in the nineties and like early two thousands and stuff. It just, it just, it just felt very much just like, it was just super gatekeeper super toxically yeah. masculine. Like, yeah. Oh, we're, we're anti-racist, but I'm going to say all these horrible things about women. I always found myself hanging out with kind of the more, nerdy not like the uncool punks the punks right. of the people the people didn't want it like they were like oh well they don't have the right patches they didn't go to these shows and stuff it was like well yeah because you know our parents didn't buy us cars like thanks a lot dude like you know <laughs> right. like it's like we're in a freaking cow town that invented the bike lane man like this is what we got like so but i because of those friends i was able to find bands like flipper and like mm-hmm. found dead kennedys and, and for me it was all about message it was all yeah. about the it was all about like what's coming across here then when i started hitting high school i was in a production of a play and the entire soundtrack for that play was like it was like Sigaros, explosions in the sky a little bit of godspeed and stuff like in there too and that was my first exposure to that type of music and i was just like whoa you can emote things that you cannot that you just cannot put into words and stuff that was also something just like as a kid i always remember like i would get upset in some way i'd be either mad or like sad or something like that i just couldn't i just couldn't communicate like and so therefore that type of music just like really like stuck to me in in those ways and then i graduated high school and went up to oregon because i just had to get out of davis because like i just like you know i don't know like you're born and raised in your hometown you gotta leave He's like you're just gonna go nuts and there i ran into like uh, some friends that really i feel like they were like oh you're weird well we live in the boonies and this and we're weird so here's at the gates here's like skit system here's like here's like all like the 90s crust like like stuff that you've just been waiting for this entire time man yeah, yeah, yeah. that's just like that like the mix of death metal the mix of like black metal the mix of all of it one of the bands that was introduced to me at that time, which I still like, I love this band. It was uh, all this suffering from Baltimore, Maryland. They would have just these breaks of just like super melodic stuff. And I was like, I was just like hooked. And then all of a sudden just go back into that super fast DB. And I was like, Oh man, I'm, just, I'm mad at my dad. And I want to get drunk and hit people. It's going to be great. And I'm like, so like, and it was crazy. Cause I moved up to Southern Oregon and I like was hanging out and I went and saw this, band play this local band called heathen shrine and like i went and saw them play and i was like oh this is cool and stuff and like kind of made friends with them and like you know we'd hang out and like you know i'd go over to their place and smoke weed or whatever you and then it took to like four years i didn't know but like four years later after like you know a lot of them had moved up to portland and stuff that was like the bassist was damon kelly and i was like oh and I and then like people were like, oh, that's that's Scott Kelly's son. And I was like, I don't know what the hell that means. And they're like, they're like, you don't know neurosis, dude. I was like, uh, uh, once again, Cowtown bike lanes. What can I tell you? Like, so like I was so that's just like where it happened. And then like I found, I was I was booking, I was in bands and stuff at that point as well. Like I was in a really. I had been in a really, really bad folk punk band and then was in a uh, like kind of crust black metal ska band and we would like book shows in the woods with generators and stuff. 
So oh, hold on for a sec. A crust black metal-y ska band. Yes. Okay. Yes. I so sure I heard that right. <laughs> yeah. So like the way I always think about it, like imagine like you know you got your D beats, which is kind of like okay, you're 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 drinking your alcohol, and then you got then you got your black metal bits where you're just kind of like all right, this is I'm right. a super stoned, and then you're just like ripping DMT and just being like here we are with ska brother, and you're just like oh why why did this happen? I don't know. It has a Tetris baseline. It happened like you know <laughs> we'll, we'll just leave it at that, <laughs> and yeah, it was yeah that was a that was a fun band, but we got but because of that band. Like I said, we were setting up shows in the woods with generators and stuff. And that's when I started really getting to like see a lot of like people my age who were making that making music at that time. And that's when like uh, I really got to meet and really get influenced by like everything that was happening in Salem, Oregon, mm-hmm. like the whole wood smoke, eternal warfare crew, like everyone from the burial grounds and stuff like that. Yeah, like so like when I was like 19, I started I started writing trains it started turning and I started just turning into a person who would just like, I'm just like, I'm traveling because like, you know, MySpace was really picking up then and mm. stuff like that. And then like Facebook was kind of like on the rise and stuff. And so I was able to be like, Oh, there's a show here this week. And then a couple days later, there's a show like, you know, a few hours North in this place. And then like all of a sudden it was like, I was just like traveling to go to shows basically. Okay. Like I'd be like going to Eugene, going to Portland, going to Oakland, going to like where I was just like this is where this is where this is just how it was, yeah. But like the whole the whole Salem scene really, really got me into like that style of music. It also helps that like before I'd even like really known about about their scene and all that stuff. Like I had a weird experience where I went to a festival. It's an outdoor generator kind of usually like rave type dealio thing, and I was frying balls on acid and this. And all of a sudden, Wolves in the Throne Room and Fauna play. Yeah. <laughs> like I had this like rock quarry, and I'm just like peeking on acid. Never heard anything of black metal like this before in my life. And it was like right after like two hunters had come out and stuff like that. So it was just like I was able to get a CD at some point. And I just was listening to that CD like on like to two hunters album. I was just like, this, this is awesome. Like I will get down with this. And then like you know I was listening to a lot of like a lot of friends bands were. In, were like grindcore and death metal and stuff and so like i'd always i'm always one of those people i'm just like you're my friend i'm gonna go come see your band play of course why wouldn't i like like do all that stuff but like i wasn't when i was in that crust sky band like i didn't have any of my own equipment i was one of those guys i was literally like the meme of hey great set can i borrow your amp like (laughs) like, that was that was me but all the time and so i was given like a bc rich warlock a red bc rich warlock from like one of my roommates and i would just and that's when i started like playing plugged in and but usually everything i would write though i'd write on my like my dad's like 1973 guild sunburst like acoustic guitar like i'd be sitting there like writing weird black metally like crusty riffs on, on an acoustic guitar and because of that i ended up starting a different like after the that crusty band died out i started a different band with an accordion player nice and yeah and we were called a uh, black mold but it was like m-o-u-l-d and then we changed our name to scalder i don't know it was like we, we were just we never could nail anything down but it was all about fusing stuff so we were like acoustic black metal doom with like hot jazz like okay. yeah and there. So like our our like our like Im- our like logo thing that we never got to put on anything was a uh, was Django Reinhardt with like 
corpse paint on and stuff like nice and so and then yeah the i love projects. that too. and i actually i am an accordion player and, oh nice uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> Do you, do you do you play the the like the like what what type do you play the like the little button the, the button uh, one or the key? Uh, uh, piano accordion okay sick yeah. heck yeah nice 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 yeah that's awesome so that stuff is near and dear to me and i've often thought about how that could be fused with you know with a heavier feel a lot of ideas about it i haven't really actually seen anything to fruition but uh for sure maybe i will after this conversation <laughs> dude it, it's there it's there yeah. man oh it's yeah no it, it can be such a weighty and heavy instrument with just these incredible tones people have this idea that it's this one thing you know i mean it's like the chicken dancer beer barrel polka or something <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so i mean that's there's so much there's so much that can be done with that instrument it's so versatile and so mournful at times and run through the right equipment so just utterly crushingly heavy absolutely there was there was actually a band in eugene around that around that era called uh scrapyard swag and they were kind of like like they were it was definitely like they had that like you know like it's like all right y'all listen to our wake i get it like (laughs) but like like with an accordion player just like droning out these like and i was just like whoa yeah oh yeah dude yeah yeah the drone absolutely yeah yeah no it's yeah it's it's (laughs) i dig it i dig it i i i i i support i support whatever 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 you got going with that i'm down i appreciate that yeah so then like i don't know i did that and we didn't really yeah we we like recorded a few times we never got to release anything the crusty band like we recorded like two times when we released like you know demo and a seven inch but then I think, uh, yeah, my, my, my current partner basically has like, we've like, we're able to kind of deduce over the past years, like, oh, I think you have like, like ADHD and like, you know, <laughs> like, you're like, so like, I was just like, all right, cool. This, this makes a little bit of sense. And like, cause like I would, you know, I'd be sitting there like playing all these different riffs and like, sometimes I'd start like, I don't know. I also play like acoustic singer, songwriter, country. Right. Like, so I was doing that at that during kind of like throughout all that at the same time after the Scalder band, we, I start like I just didn't I didn't play music for like a like a couple of years like just kind of just like sitting there and just like just kind of like just being in a funk and not being super stoked and joined my my buddy so my drummer Mark Mark uh, yeah Mark Morgan who's a, the drummer for Exulences and stuff yeah. like his old band Infernal Throne would open for my band Warmonger which was that like crusty stuff and like I think I'm I think I'm nine years older than him so like i saw him playing drums since he was like 14 years old or something like that and like i was just i was just always just like blown away because like he's just like pure raw stuff and then yeah i was it was like a little it was around 2000 2015 yeah 2015 like he was in a he was in a band it was just a two-piece and i just approached them one day and i was like you guys you need to slow down your, you, you, we need to shorten these tech death songs and just, <laughs> and just make it all grindcore. And we'll just, and we'll just talk shit on like all of the, like the elitist black metal and doom metal people. And we'll just like, we'll just, and it'll just be hilarious. And it'll just be a great time. And it'll just, it'll be, all the songs will be jokes and it'll be fun. And so we did that for a while. Like we did that for a while. And then, you know, joke bands are only as, yeah. You know, 
so funny so many times and then you're just like yeah this is this is a little awkward and then uh at the same time i was in this other band called i hate my dad kind of like only spelled like i hate god but uh-huh. i hate my dad it was all cover it was all covers and stuff just done sludgy and stuff yeah but then me and mark so his family all has like property south of uh south of ashland like literally right on the border like of california and oregon kind of like in those mountains of the siskiyous and so i'd go down there and like that's where his drum kit would like be be at his mom's and like we'd both like drive out there and meet up there and we just started jamming because i like i just hit him up one day because i was just like sitting in this room of this house that i was living in and like the door was like slanted and stuff like the, it was basically i was basically living outside mm. like there there's like vines like growing on the inside of the room and stuff like that and like i was just sitting there just writing what would eventually become the first release of exulences and like it was at that point in my life where i was just like things are changing we're going into this type of realm and we originally it was originally just me and him and we were just a two-piece grindcore band it was like doom grind like super just like loving on on all his suffering and primitive man and like mm-hmm. those, those types of like sounds specifically clinging to the trees of a forest fire like i would actually say but like you know we're, we're gonna split hairs but like but yeah it's so like and we started off that way and then we recorded like to, like we just we, we would just like the thing about me and mark that's really just awesome is that we never like write lyrics or and we would never like really write something like i would just start playing and he would start playing and then like you know we'd kind of look at each other and like feel just have we have a natural chemistry would just be like oh and now we're switching to like a super slow bit mm-hmm. oh, now we're switching into this and stuff and so for a lot of it we like yeah we just we just wrote it that way and we like just set a little handheld recorder in the side and we'd listen to it and then we'd be like well what if we move it over here and blah 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 and like but there would be like we'd be like oh we want screaming here but we don't necessarily know what we want it to be that's kind of when the the also kind of like the idea of the name started coming about was was from that it was just that like just general just like we know we feel things and we know like there's a lot of stuff that like is going on for us that like we're not able to like necessarily communicate right so, the name exulances that yeah. the word means not able to explain or communicate yeah exactly yeah kind of like what i'm doing at this very moment <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly or like it's, it's we always we always would joke like you know like hey you know the, the you know how it means like when you're trying to explain something and no one understands yeah it's, it's <laughs> exactly exactly that's 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 that yeah so it was it was, it was kind of yeah you get, well, it. you get it yeah how did so talk about the addition of the violin which plays such a prominent role in your sound and and you know she is not just there to add texture i mean the violin is a prime instrument um, absolutely in your music yeah so the way that that happened so we finished the like we we ended up adding a basis we got we finished the first demo Mm. and stuff and then we got and then the second one was coming in and like we were starting to work on the second one and I had just been on a kick of listening, you know, re-listening to like Fall of a Frafa and like, you know, a lot of like, like Dead to a Dying World had yeah. uh, come through on tour with Adura and stuff and I had set them up and like, and like there were a few other bands and like that I had just like just in the Pacific Northwest there's always like 
a general like there i feel like there's always that kind of like you know neo crusty black metal-y kind of like feel that's always been kind of going on and so i so andrea is mark's sister his his older sister i actually (laughs) i hit her i hit her up just like on a whim i had just moved back to california basically i it was 20 2016 and like i just figured out what snapchat was (laughs) i sent her a snap and like i was like hey you want to be in a band and she was just like sure (laughs) like at first she was actually on cello for the second release for the second demo like she was on cello i felt so i felt so bad because like i'm usually very like i'm like at that point i was down i was down in california and so like we were meeting like you know once a month to like practice and stuff but going up to southern oregon like you know that's a six-hour drive Mm -hmm. and she's up in portland so that's another six-hour drive and so she wasn't necessarily like coming down and stuff and we had become so tight-knit just the three of us Mm -hmm. like as like as a group that we were just like we're ready to record we're gonna record and so we actually got to record at her house with her partner dave clark so that was the first time that she actually ever <laughs> practiced with us. Wow. <laughs> I just like, I was just like, no, hey, uh, join, join a band. And, um, you know, uh, you know, just like, I, I trust you, like, just, just do some stuff. And like, I had some ideas for some things, but it didn't really, it didn't really matter to me at that point. Cause I was, I was just ready. Like, I always feel, I feel like music is just like, you, when, when you're, you got to hit when it's hot, yeah. just get it done. And then, like, for a lot of times, then, like, I I'm, I'm, I just set it down and I'm done. And so we recorded that. We did a tour with uh, Ethan Lordell and Omens, which was another project of hers that she, where she was playing violin. And so during that tour was really when, like, because I was watching her perform every night. And, like, me and her, me and Andrea go back. Like, we, you know, Southern Oregon is a small place. I basically think, like, Oregon's just one big backyard and we're all just hanging out in it. Yeah, so, like, we had actually hung out before and, like, busked together, like, on Alberta and Portland. And, like, like so we had played together already, like, with her on violin. And so watching Like, her you on acoustic guitar and she on violin. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so watching her every night with omens i was just like what are what are we doing and also she is she is a you know she's classically trained she went to college for all this she has like a degree she's like she's played in symphonies she's like she she's a she's she's a virtuoso in many ways like she's like she's very she's very talented at what she does so then i started because like i would always sit there and just be like i have ideas for like harmonies because of like that choral background like I, i was just always thinking of like Oh, I want, I want this harmony line. I want that harmony line. But then I was just like, why don't we just like, and I turned to her. I was just like, she was like, what do you think about me going to violin? And I was like, that's great. What do you think about basically being like the second guitar? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, sick. Yeah. And so that's, and that's how, that, that's how that came about. There were like, there would be a few riffs in like on that album that I was like, I really want you to play this, but majority of it, especially a lot of that texture, a lot of that yeah. other stuff. Like I was not expecting any of that. And then like we were, we were in practice and she just starts doing these like harmonics and stuff and all this looping and stuff. And I was like, whoa, okay, cool. It adds so much, it brings so much more to what me and Mark are doing. It, like it really just takes us to a different level and it really like rounds us out as a band. It's a really, I feel like it's a really good dynamic because like 
we all are creative like we're all creative together but also like if it's like me and her hanging out like we can get into a zone or if it's me and mark hanging out we can get into a zone or if it's her and mark like they get into a zone and it's really wonderful for all of us to like work on it and specifically also on this album like on that well yeah on the most recent that one like that was when i also was kind of like letting go of the reins a little bit i was, I was like like i wrote majority majority of the music and stuff but like i was just like i really want this to be like like you get this isn't just this isn't just the james show right, like, right. It's a band. yeah we are a band like we are yeah. a group and you guys add so much to it that i think that like if you guys have songs that you want to bring to it and because of that i think we got two of some of the two of the two of the best tracks off of that like we got the john bradley song that andrea wrote and we got a helpless witness to such pain which mm. mark wrote and that song that, that, that song i like I, I hate i'd hate to sound like a chump but i listen to my own album just so i can listen to that song you know i'm just like i'm just like yeah it's you know i, I my first exposure to you was um was that show you guys did at that art space in Oakland in November of 2019 um, with uh, I of Nicks. Yeah, and I guess, you know, at this point in my life, I've seen so many bands, it's it's easy for me to just kind of tune tune out a band that I'm not familiar with instantly. It the, the violin grabbed me initially. And then and then I just stood there and watched from up close the entire thing. It was like, wow, that was that was amazing. Like I've never really heard anything quite like that before. And then getting the, you know, I had, um, I don't remember if, if I had the Bandcamp release, if I had it, you know, through the Transylvanian tapes uh, subscription at that point, but then I realized shortly thereafter that I had it. And, and then last year at some point I ordered the, the vinyl from you, I think, I think you sent that to me. It really is, the songs are great. The, the composition work is, is stellar. And then that violin hanging out over those blast beats is incredible. And again, it's not like, it's not like a black metal band that's using symphonic keyboards. I mean, it's, it's completely next level um, and it works so well. And you can tell when you really listen to what she's doing that she knows what she's doing and she's got the training that you're talking about. I'm not surprised to hear that. It's evident, you know, and she never, she never goes off and she's never super flashy and, you know, she's never showing off. It's just, you can tell that this person is a fantastic musician. Yeah. You, I think you I think you hit that dead on. It's, it's something that came about as such a, like, I don't really know like what's happening. Like, like just kind of like, <laughs> Oh, like, Hey, like, like literally a Snapchat just being like, Hey, you want to be in a band? Yeah, yeah. And like, I was just to be able to work with this person in the way that we are able to work together like they uh, they help us up our game mm -hmm. she's also like i've never like at that point she was like i've never really like you know tried to play like along to this type of stuff before and i was just like sick like you know this is great like you know yeah. like you got it you you right. do it one of the i think one of the, the sort of centerpieces of that record for me is the song dead can't die which happens to be like a 13 minute song but it's got that that part after um, you know there's that vocal part and then there's sort of this this black metal part that kind of happens after that but it's it's super uplifting and it I mean there's something that's very sort of joyful about it and kind of epic which but but 
in, in a positive kind of way. And you don't often, I mean, black metal is not supposed to be that, but it somehow it completely works. Uh, it's, it's, it's transcendent in some weird way. And that's one of my favorite parts on that, on that record. And she's just full speed on that. Yeah. yeah I, I remember, cause I, I wrote that entire song like on a 12 string guitar and like, I wrote it all the way like from start to end like this like I was like and I brought it to them and I was like here's the song and I remember at first being really scared because I was like I know we're gonna play major chords it's gonna get a little nice towards the end it's gonna get a little like but like yeah I just remember us jamming it out and then like because like it was it was a little more abbreviated at that point and then we were just like oh we should like extend like especially towards the end we were like we need to extend this we need to make this longer and then we were just sitting there jamming it and she just comes in with that super high note that like like that's kind of following what the guitar is doing and i was just like oh man yep th there we go yeah no I, I i hear that it's a very it was just one of those moments and it's just one of those songs that that's that's like this that's basically like what i had set out to try and create from from the beginning of that album like that song was the one that like i was just like this is this is that this is what I really want to do. And then what you kind of tap into in the song despondent too. I mean, there's the the mood of the song just from the a musical perspective, but then there there are those fragmented, the short, the short sort of fragmented lyrics, you know, each line. Um, and you have the one the one line that just did it. And it I'm not sure why this hit for me, but it it's the line, the word, the words are dreadful news. That's the entire line. And that one. It sums up, it's dreadful. And it's, you know, I mean, we hear, we think about bad news, we think about sad news. Dreadful news has a weight to it. And it feels like, you know, for me, cause I, I got this record, the physical copy in the middle of last year when things were about as dreadful as, you know, as they possibly could have been. And it just, it, it's in a weird way, it's kind of the soundtrack for, for last summer. Uh, just one thing after another dreadful news it's, it's just a, a quick little turn of phrase that just uh, it hit for me so. for sure yeah <laughs> no I, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that 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 that, that, that found you when it when it needed to yeah. you know can I can I tell you something a little a, a, little, a little interesting yeah um, so like we we were in the we were in the studio right we were um we were recording we were in the middle of recording the album and it was once again one of those situations where like we knew the general feel of the song i always it's hardest for me to put pen to paper like it's really hard and sometimes it can be hard for like mark or for andrea and stuff like we, we can get to these places where like you know like if you're not there you're not there but like we knew where we really wanted it to be and no joke like we were in our airbnb and we pulled out a copy of of gone with the wind and started just like finding words mm. and just started mix mashing from there. And that's how we got a lot of lyrics for that song. But like we were able to reframe them in the way that was going with the narrative that we knew inside what, what it meant for us. Right, right, right. Like Sequestered Sympathy, like that song like had a lot of stuff that was already like there, but like Despondent, it was, it was that was a definite like moment where the, the name of the band really kind of came through and so we were just like all right gone with the wind here we go <laughs> i wanted to also talk with you a little bit about your album gatefold oh 
Yeah. Uh, I came across, <laughs> you found that. <laughs> I found it. I, and I just found it. And I, in fact, feel like I learned a lot about you from that record. Um, and I'm, I've listened to it maybe three times. And there's some amazingly rich stuff in there and some stuff that really, really hit home. I mean, there were some lump and throat moments for sure. Especially there, there's a part towards the end. And I think the line is rather feel pain than be numb one more day. At least I'll feel alive. And there's so much right in there that, yeah, when I struggle and sort of think about my own, you know, struggle that I've already talked about, you know, I, I have those thoughts. It's like, well, wait a second. I take a step back and say, you know, I feel terrible right now, but I'd rather feel this um, because at least I know that I'm alive. Yeah. And that's been a very present thing for me, especially over the past 12 months. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's the kind of thing that reminds me that there are other people that are having the same, the same thoughts. Um, yeah. One thing that is heavy in its own way, but also a little bit lighter and something I, I feel like I wanted to talk to you about is the song Gatefold, because that yeah. song, you're clearly a music collector. I see that on your Instagram. And then you write this song, which is basically about your love of collecting vinyl and, and tapes, um, but also kind of you acknowledge that that's a weird addiction too, but perhaps a less dreadful one. Yeah, like, you know, it's, that's all that we're given. Like, this is what we are given in our society is promoted addictive tendencies, mm -hmm. whether, it be, whether it be like, you know, like, you know, through substances or through capitalism. Like, mm -hmm. it, and I, like, I, and I do, I love, I love collecting. I have like, I have a tape collection that is huge. I have a very moderate, like nothing in comparison to what I'm seeing behind you, <laughs> like, like, like record collection. But, um, but yeah, like it's a, it's a very, it's real. Like, you know, there's, there's something, there's something about the ritual of it. And there's something about like the act, not only of like supporting art, but also of kind of like, of the, like the search that is still like, you know, it's a coping mechanism for me in many ways. Like, you know, it's a, you know, I'm getting my endorphin rush, like how I get it, like, you know, and yeah, it's, it's still not like, I'm still, I am. Yeah, you're right. You, you hit it pretty hard. Like, it's like, yeah, I am. I am still like, you know, trying to work through what I'm trying to work through. And like, you know, we're trying to, I'm always trying to, like I say, trying to be, become the person who I strive to be, but it's just like, I would rather have this be my vice, but I would rather like, or like, or the thing that like, you know, I obsess over, but like, but yeah, at the end of the day, like, you know, it's just like, I, I just, I, I just always think about like, you know, when you're in like goodwill or in some like, you know, some store, like some like secondhand store or something like that, uh, specifically like thrift stores and you come across just some gems just some total gems and they're like in great condition and you know maybe not necessarily but like someone maybe someone was like okay i just need to get rid of this stuff because I don't, I don't want it anymore but like, i feel like a lot of the times it's because people have like passed on like mm -hmm. you find them out of state sales you find them like and their kids just don't have the same connection to it or like whoever is left with them doesn't have the same connection to it and it does draw that question like you know it's just like yeah like like who is this serving? Mm -hmm. Like 
in many ways and that was i don't know i get i, I get i do get that way so i get, I, get I, I sometimes maybe overthink a little too much but it's but you know it's 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 true it's just like when when i die like is this is this what right. is it is, is this what's going to be left it remind it, it was also kind of a play on there's a song by uh one of my favorite like folk one of my favorite folk punk actually uh artists uh uh, Mischief Brew, uh, Eric Peterson, who wrote a song called Bury Me in Analog. Mm. What I'm singing about in that song kind of directly correlates to a little bit of what's going on in that song and kind of how it also just like every for me, all roads lead back to Elliot Smith, but like uh, it's just like uh, it's like how someone like him was so prolific and then people just will scour like the remains of this person's bodies of work and re-release them and redo them and like bring them out and like so on and so forth to a place where it's just like it it just like it no longer means what it used to mean Mm -hmm. not to say that like you know i won't buy like a deluxe edition of something like that because once again this goes back to the capitalism part of it but it does take away from in my mind, I feel like it takes away from the original, like the original pressings of stuff, like, which is why I don't want to, I don't know, I don't want to repress like records that I've pressed already. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like there need that people, we live in such an age where everything's at our fingertips mm-hmm. and we aren't seeing the cost of what having everything at our fingertips is like and what it is doing, not like, not only to the artist, but to our environment and to like life in general. It's it's something where like I hope that that people will recognize that we are all impermanent and everything is impermanent. And sooner or later, your awesome ass gate folded, limited press, like whatever. It's all like it's gonna end up at it's gonna be someone else's goodwill find, you know. Yeah, for sure. I think the thing um, that I struggle with, I've been collecting physical media I've been collecting records since I was eight years old so 40 years Uh, there's there's the issue of space obviously I run into that and that can be really actually stupidly stressful sometimes and then there is um, there is kind of the issue of engagement right like when I was a kid and I had to figure out ways to get money so I could go to the store on a Saturday and you know, I take the bus, it'd take an hour to get to the store and I'd get to the store and I'd have six or $7. And what am I going to do with this? The decisions I had to make. And then I'd get it home and I would listen and listen and listen over and over and over again and form these attachments. And these things would become like part of my being that happens a lot less these days because yeah. I can go to the store on a whim and I don't have to make any choices. I can walk into the store and I can have anything in that store I want. Any item on the wall, I can afford just about anything that's there. And, and that stuff comes home and it gets put into a stack and listened to a couple times maybe. Or I don't even listen to it because I bought a first pressing of some record that I've heard a billion times already. And, you know, I don't need to listen to it. I just bought it to have it. And when it gets into that, on one hand, it's still, you know, there's something magical and wonderful about collecting and this is art and you have it and you can return to it and it'll be there when you need it to be there. On the other hand, there's also the idea of hoarding and then there's the idea of I have this, therefore you don't have it 
Exactly. And that starts to feel gross to me. And I'm seeing a lot more of that. And I'm aware of my own tendency uh, around that. And, and I've been aware of that for a while. And I'm really trying to put the brakes on that. And as I'm doing that, I'm seeing other people doing that without putting the brakes on. And I think that's something that maybe the internet has, has caused some change around because now um, the demand is so high. You can get stuff in stores, but then you get stuff online and bands know that um, they'll do a pre-sale and they'll put, you know, 50 copies on gold vinyl and yep. 100 copies on red and, um, and stuff is sold out weeks in advance. And then the next day, even before it's actually even been pressed, people are selling their copies on eBay for yeah. five times what they paid for. And that's the stuff. This is where yeah. things have gone off the rails. And yeah. Literally, like I feel also there's something about this year too. Like yeah. this year in particular has been rife with that. Like, <laughs> like it's one thing like I've seen like so many, like, there've been so many bands who've dropped stuff this year that like, I don't know, maybe it's because everyone like justifiably thought the world was going to end mm -hmm. and stuff like, and so people were just like grabbing stuff and then doing like whatever. But yeah, the turnaround, yeah, like there's a few bands from this year that like I've, I've been trying to find like, it's like Lamp of Murmur. I've been trying to find their stuff like at all. And mm. every time I find it, it's always sold out, but I can always go to Discogs and there's that douchebag who's selling it for $300. I'm like, it's a cassette tape yeah, yeah, that yeah. the dude sold for five bucks and you're not giving anything to them or the label. I'm just like, yeah, that I, I definitely, I definitely hear you on the like, on the like, it's almost, yeah, it is like showboating. It is in, in many ways, it's like showboating. And like, to me, that's like, that's an issue in and of itself. Another thing is like, you know, we got our records pressed before we went on tour or I'm sorry, we got our records pressed after we got, after we did the tour, we did the tour and then the records came out and we sold out out of all of our records that we have of our physical copies. Hmm. And that's totally fine. And I'm totally okay with that, but it does mean maybe it's because like, you know, the whole year of like not being able to tour, but like, it just means that we don't have anything for when we do tour. Yeah. And yeah. If we ever get to that point where we don't have anything to be like, Hey, here's our stuff. And like, here, here you go, check it out. And it's, and once again, this comes again to me, like being like, I don't want to repress stuff, which, which is thankfully why we're working on new material, but like, <laughs> good, good, yeah, it, it, there is that, it is really weird. That is a very, I do, th I do agree with you. I think that the, what started off as a kind of like who's in the know and knows the like the small DIY record person can be like, oh yeah, here's here's some early stuff for you because like you're a homie and like we've been we've been doing this together for a long time to a, like a definite marketed yeah. thing. Yes. And it's and it's not necessarily evil per se because like yeah I like my color I I, I pre-ordered the Steve Von Till freaking like I, like I did too yeah <laughs> you know like here we go like and like I'm and like I, I did the whole bundle thing and like I'm I a sucker for it. but but yeah it's 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 a very it is a strange thing and it makes me it's why I don't like I don't know I run the merch and stuff for our band I don't particularly enjoy it because I do once again it goes back to that like. I remember so many bands that I just literally stumbled into some basement show or mm -hmm. happened to be passing by or like, Oh, my friend's band is opening for this band. I don't know anything about them and stuff. And they're on tour and stuff. And like, I'm always going to like 
throw money like at the touring band no matter what yeah but, especially if it's something that i dig and they have something physical there i'm like sick i always get i always get bummed when like bands that are super like that a lot of like it's like it's good for the band like way, way to go people like your stuff enough that like you know you're selling out of all your size medium shirts and like your vinyl on on the first performance but it there is like it does bring another level of elitism that i right. just don't like i'm i i don't like elitism once i hate gatekeepers i hate elitism i hate like, all of that stuff i'm just right. like i'm like you put i'm like dude you put your pants on one leg at a time like the rest of us like you know and, and unless you found out some cool trick that i don't know but uh, <laughs> you know it, and i think that that's it goes back to like what i was saying about identity it goes back to this thing of identity like people just like it and it, people will do stuff like for the gram or for the for the clout or for whatever and it's just like yeah and it's like i admit i've been lucky enough to like experience some pretty awesome shows that like 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 I've I've seen crazy like I saw Leech and like other bands like you know play like in the forest with a generator and that was like awesome like I'll never I'll never be able to recreate those like types of situations and stuff and that was that was great but at the same time I'm not trying to hold that above anyone I just was I just was randomly at the right place at the right right, time. right time sure I'm hoping that like you know 2020 maybe has brought back you know, I'm, I'm trying to make humble trending, trending again, you know, just like make humility a trending, like, yeah, you know, yeah. trend because, because I remember being younger too. And being like having people, like, like I said, all the punks and metalheads growing up where I was at, it was, they were jocks. They were, they yeah. were gatekeeping people. It was like, Oh, you don't like, you don't know this. You don't know. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, no, like, why should I feel shame for finding connection with something that I now know of? That's the thing. It's, it's, finding the connection and just just saying yeah this this is my thing right and whatever it is i've had people on this podcast who have talked about and you've talked about it to a certain extent like their gateway their entryway into heavy music was you know was corn and kind of the new metal thing and some people will say this you know i completely own that and other people will say i'm a little embarrassed about that and i say no no it's totally own it i mean it doesn't matter if you're not connected you don't need to be connected with it today or maybe you are and you still love it and that's awesome too that's part of your story and i don't believe in guilty pleasures and you know if you're into something be into it um and and the one thing you know we were talking about you know records and record collecting and that kind of thing and um how it's kind of a double-edged sword but the amazing thing is that we're seeing people super into music there's all, I mean, there's kind of the nasty stuff, uh, the gatekeeping and the, you know, hoarding stuff or holding it over other people's heads and the elitism and that, I mean, there's those aspects of it. Yeah. There's sure. also that genuine thing where it's just the love of music and realizing that there's this whole experience and in going into a record store and searching through things and discovering things and finding that album cover, like, whoa, I've never heard of this band, but this album cover is awesome and exactly. taking the risk. And a decade ago, less than a decade, I mean, five, six years ago, I'd go into a record store and there would be other like middle-aged men. That's who was there. And now like I'm having to, to contend with teenage girls, you know, and there was, I was in the K section of a record store the other day. And I, and so in the K section, I'm looking at Killing Joke and Kiss. I'm a big Kiss fan. And, um, 
Kraftwerk and King Crimson. And there was a teenage girl going through the King Crimson section and like picking up records. And, and I thought, this is amazing. Who listens yeah. like old people like me listen to King Crimson. Teenage girls don't, but this girl is into it. And that filled me with joy, you know? And it's like, okay, the next generation, you know, they're gonna come at it in their own way, but something, something is going on here that is really good. Uh, yeah, I think I, I agree that like we are, we're definitely in a different space than where we were. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah, and like I said, anyway, it's, I think it's double-edged, but uh, there's definitely some, some positive stuff happening in the midst of everything, so. Yes, abs absolutely. In the midst of it though, you guys are working on new music? And... Yeah, 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 we're, I'm actually flying up, I'm flying up in May. Uh, we're, Great. we're all vaccinated. Uh, well, I think, yeah, I think Mark is just now getting his vaccines and stuff like that. I'm not sure, but like, I'm vaccinated, Andrew is vaccinated. Uh, we're working on an acoustic album, like all acoustic. We're gonna try and like separate the two. Okay. Just, and we're also working on a, on a plugged in album. Um, the acoustic one is what we're plugging away at pretty hard right now. And you think so, those will come out um, simultaneously or are those gonna be staggered? Our, we had an idea of like, you know, being able to release them individually, but also have an option of them being as one set. Yeah. So once again, going into that, like the super limited, like <laughs> for the collectors out there. <laughs> like, but yeah, like, you know, like, because I do think that, because all this music was written over the past year, like it's, yeah. and it's all dealing with a lot of similar subject matter. Yeah, so there, there is a, there is a hope to do that. Like, yeah, my, and I'm really stoked because like, the month before that, my other band, Carrie and Bloom, were recording in Sacramento, and then like this other project with like all the dudes from Vale and stuff. Like, uh, oh, not Vale, sorry, uh, from Void Omnia. Uh huh. It doesn't have a name, but we're starting to record stuff too. So like, there's the, there's a definite feel of like you know, once again, it's like things are happening, things are going in a direction. It's something different. It's not. I hope it's not back to back to normal in the way that like in the grander scheme of like how we think about life in the world, but. Well, we've been talking for a long time, um, but um, this has been great. Dude. Drink up, baby. Stay up all night with the things you could do. You won't, but you might. The potential you'll be that you'll never see.
Show.